Ready, set, go! Welcome to the EV Diaries, your home for EVs in small town America. As you know, I work for a rural electric cooperative as an engineer, and part of my job is I get to attend events like the webinar I did today. It was hosted by the U.S. Department of Energy and was one of an ongoing series talking about how the grid will look once EVs become more prevalent in society. Believe it or not, there are some serious concerns facing the grid as a whole when widespread rapid charging becomes the norm. As it is now, there's not enough saturation to cause too many problems. But in areas with higher EV adoption rates, some of those problems have already been looked at and dealt with, but that really has led to the question, what happens when we scale up? And that's been the focus of the webinar. Now, we know the EV revolution is here, but what happens when everyone else finds out and jumps on the bandwagon? These meetings typically go like this. You have two speakers, both of which have some stake in the EV future, and they're talking about what they're doing to plan for EVs or what they're seeing as challenges, and then it's followed by a roundtable discussion. Now, for me, in southeastern Kentucky, we're behind the curve. Whatever changes we will have to make in the future are going to be modeled after those in states like California, Colorado, Maryland. You know, those on the front line of the EV revolution. Of course, most of the challenges that are being faced are in population centers, and those are unique to the problems that we're going to see in small-town America. In fact, one of the speakers today showed how solar in California impacts their load profile compared to the East Coast where we don't have the same solar abundance. It's as different as night and day and one size does not fit all, but we must try to make it that way. Today's conversation was on managing charging and what that would look like on a massive scale. What would it take to meet the demand when an employer has 100 EVs in the parking lot instead of one or two? True, most charging happens at home, but what happens when there are 50 EVs in your neighborhood instead of one and everyone arrived home from work at 5.30 in the afternoon, assuming, of course, that we ever go back to work? And what does it look like if uh, most of us continue to work non-traditionally? These are questions and challenges that we've talked at length about. Um, we've talked about load shapes, peak demand. Renewables and storage are also puzzle pieces that can either help or hinder the overall process depending on, on how they're managed. And that is the underlying question. Where are we charging? When are we charging? And how much demand are we charging? Well. I guess technically that's three questions, but from a utility standpoint, it's just one big question. Like I said, in Kentucky, I'm going to sit back and see what other utilities do to deal with it and take cues from their successes, failures, and their best practices. Living in small town America has its advantages. 
and it has its disadvantages. The most intriguing thing today, for me anyway, came out of a company called Weave Grid. Now, I won't get too deep into what they do because I'm not sure other than that they're an engineering consulting firm that is focused on helping transition us to a more optimized EV future. I think their founders are a Tesla engineer and a power guy, but I may be wrong on that. But what they are doing is developing a way, or sh I should say they have developed a way to take data from utilities and from cars telemetrics to develop an EV-only time-of-use measurement system that doesn't require any special equipment or a second meter. Let me preface this by saying I have looked at time-of-use rates for my co-op before, and even though I still want to develop one, to change behaviors, i.e. to have people help shift that load profile by shifting activity from on-peak to other parts of the day, the on-peak rate has to be really punitive. I have a kilowatt hour rate just under nine cents. No one will voluntarily adopt such a rate unless it's really convenient for them. Also, what if something happens like a heat pump malfunction during the peak that drives the bill through the roof, even though they were doing everything else right? It's just them being punished for when something goes wrong. Um, but I digress. This system that they're, they have developed is being used to collect data and build EV owners according not only to their usage, but to their demand and to the timing. I see some really cool advantages to this, but there's some potential red flags. I'm not sure where this is taking place or how widespread it is. I am, well, my gut feel is that it's probably in California and it's most likely a pilot project involving a few hundred EV owners. But again, that's just speculation on my part based on the presentation. This was one of my EV working group concerns uh, early on. Uh, you remember the EV working group? Um, it was at East Kentucky Powerful Cooperative, and it seems like it was decades ago. Um, honestly, it's still going on, but with the pandemic, we've not done anything in about a year now. Anyway, we discussed what if we had EV rates? Would it take two meters? How would it be managed? What about emergency situations? You know, my, many of these, these same questions. And we analyzed the crap out of it, but made no real decision other than not to be the EV police and not to have a statewide policy. Yet. But getting back to this setup from WeaveGrid, this setup eliminates the need of a separate meter. A meter based the whole nine yards. But there's some really some hot buttons here. The first is privacy and security, which, let's admit, it's a serious thing. This system has to gather information from your car and tie it to the billing system of the utility which the billing system will have some sensitive information in the database. Now, I know there are all sorts of protections and firewalls and encryption 
you know, all those things that get hacked all the time. And even though I feel my driving habits can be out there for the world to see, you have a third-party app that is collecting this data and pushing it into this highly sensitive billing database, which makes this app actually have control of the billing app. All I'm saying is that it may not be that big of a concern, and there's ways around this, but we've seen utilities get decimated by ransomware. And I realize it's apples and oranges here, but you had this one bad piece of, of code that took over a utility, and it took them a better part of a year and hundreds of thousands of dollars for them to get everything back to normal. All I'm saying is if you've got a wall, the more holes you put in it, the less secure the wall becomes. Of course, in most states, anything like this would require regulatory oversight, and here's my big concern with that. In Kentucky, we have to do a random sampling of meters to ensure their accuracy. It's structured in such a way that the meters are either tested or replaced, most likely within a decade of being issued to the field. And this is, of course, after they've been tested before they go into service. So how do we do this for EVs? How do we certify that this data is accurate? And how prone is this to hacking? Uh, what if a car starts under-reporting usage? If it's accidental, it's unfair to other consumers. And if it's intentional, it's theft. And how do we oversee this and test it? As an owner, I certainly don't want to be overbilled. And then in Kentucky, if you're underbilled for any reason, the utility, by law, have to go back and collect the difference going back to when the underbilling began up to two years. So I see this as a, a, a bit of a drawback. And I just really wonder, you know, how do they know which system you're on? Um, how do they know that your car is using their electricity if they're just drawing information from the, the car? And I know that there's ways to tell, and I'm, I'm sure they've got all this figured out. There's also the fact that some cars collect some data, some cars don't collect the same data, and how are you making sure you get everything collected that you need to get collected? And then there's going to be some older cars that don't fit this. And are all the manufacturers going to get together and create a universal telemetric template that gets used, sort of like the, uh, the data port is on cars now? Um, is, is there going to be some consensus and agreement so all of this goes together seamlessly? I don't know. It's 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 a it's a novel idea, and I'm glad I'm now aware of it, and I really hope to learn more about it in the future. Oh, here's another novel idea that uh, came out of this discussion today when it comes to managing load: charging slower for longer when it matters, like in fleet situations where business is paying demand charges. Charging slower for longer is a way to manage your demand. I never really thought about it that way. That's it for today. Hit that subscribe button. 
remember my affiliate with uh, a bar above if you're looking for bar related Christmas gifts for friends and family. And as always, remember the EV revolution is here. Manage charging or not, it's a fun ride.